There is no phone ringing, damn it! What the hell are you talking about? You know what the hell she's talking about? Now, what in hell am I going to tell this boy Shaver's parents? That a substitute nurse assassinated him because she couldn't tell the doctors from the patients on the floor? My God! Okay. You let a woman beat ya. You little tiny nothing. Why did you move closer to me? Closer to Don't, you. Bob. Uh-uh. His name was Jeremiah Johnson. Norma Ray has been working since she was 16. And Jeff Goldblum is the psycho freak who's everywhere the action is. That's outrageous! You try one more goddamn stunt and I'll light up the fucking sky! I'd rather die running than be left here alone. Okay, but remember, serpentine! Absolutely. What a guy. You can fuck the lilies and the roses too. A decade under the influence. No rules, no limits. No wonder these filmmakers changed our world. Hi, I'm speaking for Ashes as they want to welcome you to our podcast. <laughs> you don't get to do it. Oh, am I off? That sucks. Well, You're hello and fired. welcome to another edition of A Decade Under the Influence. At my job as a KJ, people are always like, oh, please tip your KJ. And all those people don't tip the KJ. Yeah, because they're like, oh, I did a public service for you, man. Yeah, so what I like to do is, as I see them starting to say that, because I can see it coming a mile away, I say it first. <laughs> That's their best bet. Because the other thing I would say afterwards is, be like, well, that includes you, Dale. <laughs> Dale. Dale. Time to tip, Dale. <laughs> We have seven movies today, seven seventies movies, and um, uh, why don't we jump right into them? It's you starting things uh, off with sometimes a great notion or burp. Oh, nice one. Nineteen seventy-two. All right, our director here is Paul Newman, who's also our star. But I'm going to start as a director, and I'm going to let you know that he is known for the effects of gamma rays on Man and the Moon Marigolds. <gasps> we watched that. We did. It was really good. He also did Harry and Son. Uh, and the glass menagerie. Don't forget the cookies. <laughs> this the is salad re- dressing. <laughs> He's well known for many other things, but we'll get there. I got more about him in uh, in, in, in a second here when I get to start. Uh, our writer here is Ken Kesey. Uh, he, of course, wrote One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and was a big uh, Grateful Dead fan and kind of a shitbag. Born in 1935 and died in 2001. Uh, our screenplay writer for this is John Gay. Uh, you might know from the Red Bag, bag Badge of Courage, Mutiny on the Bounty, and uh, get it together in a matter of time. If you had done deep breathing exercises like we done did, oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> he did tons and tons of TV movies. He was born in 1924 and he died in 2017. He was also the Writers Guild Vice President from 1985 to 1987. Are you still talking about John Kay? Yeah. Okay. I got more. Uh, <laughs> he was the author of a one-man play called uh, uh, Diversions and Delights, and it starred Vincent Price uh, as Oscar Wilde. I thought that was fun. Um, Of course, his movie stars Paul Newman. He was born in 1925, and he died in 2008. You might remember him from The Sting or Towering Inferno uh, or as the voice of the doctor in Cars. Um... He owned a hole-in-the-wall gang camp, a uh, summer camp for children with cancer and other blood-related diseases. Uh, Paul Newman, he's into everything. Butch Cassidy. Yeah, he was in that, too. Who cares? I care. He, he was in Cars. 
I was on the Cars ride and. Boo do 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 boo do 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 boo do 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 do. Yeah, man, Mike. Um, uh, he his first big break in a movie came because uh, James Dean died. I thought that was interesting. Um. Because they cast James Dean. Okay, last Paul Newman fact that I want to I want to throw out there the hustler. is he? Uh, no, no, no. He 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 studied under uh, Lee Strasberg uh, at the actor studio, and he said he could have been at least as good as Marlon Brando, if not better. But too often relied on his uh, on his good looks to coast through parts. Take that, Newman. Uh, Henry Fonda was born in 1905 and died in 1982. You would know him from 12 Angry Men, On Golden Pond, and Midway. He was nicknamed One Take Fonda. Uh, weird. Weird another Brando connection. Uh, he, he was in a community theater with Marlon Brando's mom, Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Remick is also in this. She was born in 1935 and died in 1991. You would know her from A Delicate Balance, uh, The Omen, and The Medusa Touch. Uh, she received uh, her star on Hollywood Walk of Fame April 29th of 1991 and died two months later. Uh, and our last actor that I'm highlighting from this is Michael Saracen, who was born in 1940 and died in 2011. He was in For Peak's Sake, The Gumball Rally, and one episode of Deep Space Nine. The and Quickening. that movie we watched where he crashed the car at the end, or he killed the grandmother or whatever, remember? Killed the grandmother at the end. Yeah, it was like a great movie. He was in that. I don't remember which one that was. It doesn't matter. Okay. Also, you did Henry Fonda a great disservice. I've been going through so many Henry Fonda movies. <laughs> I usually only pull out three. Oh, okay. Well, now I know that. <laughs> well, it is one. But, I mean, he's amazing. He I'm is sorry. amazing. Go ahead. I didn't say anything. From Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A young man returns home to his family after being gone for many years. His family owns a logging company uh, that is independent in a deep union logging town. There is a strike going on, and tension is high as the town wants to keep uh, wants them to not scab during the strike. Leland, played by Michael Saracen, uh, is home to speak his truth and to also work uh, for the family. The family secrets start coming out, uh, while the town becomes more and more bitter towards the family. This comes to a head in a culmination of tragedies, both physical and psychological. Sometimes the only thing you can do when you're that broke is to keep going forward. Mm. Discuss. You got it. Yeah. Mostly. I would have done the line where he's like, the only things in life are like, what is it? Like fucking and working or something. <laughs> <laughs> it stuck out. The Henry, Henry Fonda line. Yeah. Uh, this, what did you think of this? I wanted someone else to go first, but uh, uh, <laughs> I liked it because it puts it all out there. And as like normally we're like, oh, scabs are the worst. But like, I think there's a little bit of independent loggers in there where they just wanted to be independent. And so because normally I wouldn't have any sympathy, but going to this movie, I had a little bit of sympathy. They just kind of wanted to do it and they, they wanted to stay apart. It's like that movie Cecil B. Demented and also just a lot of independent movies where they don't want to work with the union people because they want to do their own thing and they don't, they're caught up in it for some reason. Like, I can, you know, it's a little bit of a gray area for me. More so than I would like it to be. Uh, and this movie is super well done. And it is it, super it well done. It humanizes these characters and uh, I liked it. But it's uh, it just, it, it doesn't like spell out exactly how you're supposed to feel about it. I don't think, in my opinion. Oh, I don't think it spells it out at all. Yeah, I kind of think that 
it's not meant to it's more strikes me as kind of like a you're not supposed to like anybody like nobody nobody in the film acts like a good person like not one and so like I think I think it's kind of one of those like slice of life and like the point is there's not supposed to be like a a, a character that you're supposed to be rooting for because like you're not rooting for this family they're dirtbags <laughs> like, and like they're all I was rooting for Fonda <laughs> he's like anti-communist but like oh man I'm totally rooting for him if really he's if, such a shit yeah, I love him if you're eating yeah but he's dedicated hard worker and he was like he if, does if the you're least eating, amount you're work. of work <laughs> <laughs> whatever and I like Michael Saracen's character and I like Lee, Lee Remick I'm rooting for both of them I, I liked a and lot of Paul Newman for them though I yeah. mean Understanding, That's how I watch I, movies. I feel like <laughs> get behind it. it. The movie does its best to make you understand the motivations of the characters, but you're not rooting. For I wouldn't go as far as to say that you're not supposed to like any of these people. I it felt very much like you weren't supposed to like a lot yeah. of these people. Oh, please! Don't I mean, just when they would make that. you think that you start to like them, then you find out something about them, and you're like, oh, they're just fucking deplorable. What did Lee Remick do? Not, How I mean, dare that's you. like, and it's fine, right? Like, it, it's, it's just wrong. What did she <laughs> do? Wrong? It's not that it's fine, dismissively. I disagree. <laughs> what did Lee Remick do? You tell me. I don't know. Well, I mean, she ditched her husband in the middle of the largest crisis in his life. Yeah, but maybe he sucked. You already said you're not supposed to like him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I, I liked him. I'm just saying that he's like, sitting over there showing off your muscles. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, look, I'm not saying nothing. I don't remember what her thing was. We got to get a video podcast. I don't podcast. remember what her thing was. Well, she, her, she had no thing. She was an angel. I mean, she was pretty good. She ditched out of town, out of like her hometown, and like left her family uh, behind. Um, uh, pretty much sounded like her dad was kind of an abusive piece of shit. And like, uh, Peter, uh, no, sorry, what's his name? Uh, fucking... Michael Sarsen? No. Uh, like Paul Newman came too. through town on a motorcycle and she was hot for his dick and jumped on and never looked back. Uh, but then, like, you know, life out there was kind of shitty too. And then she just, like, ditched in the hardest moment. She wasn't the worst, but she also didn't have there the most developed character either. Life is hard. Yeah, just yeah. trying there to deal with there it. There wasn't a lot to her, but, like... And it, I love um, the fuck you at the end of this movie. Yeah. I was there for that. Ah, I can't remember. There was something, though. I remember having a reaction like, oh, there's there's her thing that makes her like a, a flawed human being. I kind of, but I... Flawed, I, yes, but... I kind of like that. I wanted that. her to get I like, out. I like that nobody was, you know, this, like, perfect protagonist. Yeah. I no, thought I that too. was really interesting. Yeah, I agree with you there. Flawed, unlikable people. Like, no, who writes a story Don't agree like with that. that? Right, like that's that's something that's like it felt more interesting in its unusualness. I didn't yeah. think that that they were completely unlikable. I thought that they were complicated people i agree that they were flawed and complicated i don't think i don't feel the movie was designed for you to hate them they're certainly well i mean no, you don't put not, henry fonda and paul newman in no, a movie yeah i'm not saying that i'm not saying that they were designed to be villains um i mean they're just kind of like shitty people yeah that that that's actually oh, true dare you they're not like paul newman's not terrible they're not the ones who are fucking over and the town, right? They're the scabs. So they're 
They're shitty But they people. wanted to remain independent. I also don't think it's fair to call them scabs, necessarily. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because, um, I mean, if you're, if you're always operating as an independent company, and then there's a union that, that's operating alongside of you, that's always operating as a union, and they stop, you know, they go on strike against the company that they work for, it's not like they're selling their shit they're, they're doing the work that the union was doing. They're just doing what they would always do. I mean, I, I definitely crossing a picket line, yes, because they've said don't sell to this company or something like that. Well, they even told them to take a break. That's where I disagreed with them because they like no. could have taken a few I, days off. They could have. They're like, no, oh, we can't It would do be this. like if your union went on strike and, um, and then... The brokerages didn't. Folks that... Um, but then they, they had them doing your job. No. No, it wouldn't be like that at all. It would. They, they have their own land that they're cutting from. They, they have their own contracts. They have, yes. Yeah, but it is but their own land, But if they're doing too. work that, if, if the, the work that you would normally do gets, that load gets shifted over to them, then you're absolutely scabbing. Also, the brother got killed and, like, they were willing to help. I felt the union people were more villainous than fucking the Fonda family in this. At the end, I mean, they gave them many chances kind of. to not. Yeah, we did. We haven't even mentioned the poor brother that gets dunked to That's death. That's not a brother, by the way. No, well, he works there. I thought he, he was a he brother. Did work He's in there. the family. Wasn't he eating the pancakes too? He was like a, a loved friend, but he okay. wasn't a, a Thank family you. member. But he was eating the pancakes. <laughs> you ain't fucking you. <laughs> And your I wish work. I could remember that line. Um, but yeah, he crushed under the tree oh, and then fucking drowned. Yeah, it was like an intense scene, but through parts of it, I was weren't we both like, I don't think this is filmed necessarily correctly. <laughs> it was like going down. It was like, it was, I just, I felt for them how difficult it would kind of be to film something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that would be believable because he's not, you were like, hey, he could just, you know, he's right there. <laughs> It's a is movie. Yeah, it's movie, <laughs> and they do a really good job of making him it a straw really fucking a sad. Yeah, um, and fucked up because he has that moment where he's like, "Well, I'm gonna breathe for you," and he's like breathing in his mouth underwater, mm-hmm. but he just finds it really silly and starts laughing, and that that's how he dies. Yeah, I mean, he probably would have died anyway. He probably would have, but like, yeah, because if you um, hmm. if you don't get enough actual oxygen oh any cpr class would tell you that you will get plenty of of, uh, oxygen through someone else breathing for you yeah for how long infinite forever yeah as long as they're getting new air you can't share air back and forth like that infinitely but as long as they're giving you fresh air from from their lungs there's plenty to to get you through right we learned in that sea just then like theoretically inhaled water and drowned yeah once he once he started laughing and he got in water in his lungs he, he couldn't spit it out he couldn't cough it out no. because there was no space for that right mm, okay do you have more on this a little bit um there's a really intense scene because michael saracen is is comes back home and the truth that i mentioned that he's speaking is that and the unspoken thing throughout is that uh, Paul Newman's his, his dad, not his brother, right? That like, his, uh, Paul Newman was fucking his mom, and yeah. he's like, I want. He's like, I always just kind of wish you were dead. Like she killed herself over it, and I wish you would have. 
and like just gives it to him over and over and over and then after uh his uh, and the I don't dad think I dies. got that the first time I watched this movie. Well, and after the dad dies, they're walking out of uh, the hospital, and he gives it to him again, and he's like, I was 14, and she was 30. Who was fucking who? Yeah, that was, that was interesting. And it was like, the, the <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and he gets it. He, like, for the first time, like, yeah. oh. Yeah, your mom was a pedophile. You didn't ruin my life. My mom ruined your life. Fuck! Yeah. I've been holding this like grief and animosity in this way that is not fucking fair. See, complicated. Yeah. And I like him in this movie. Uh, at work, we keep putting on um, the perks of being a wallflower. Oh, nice! It's great. Uh, it's also heavy, but uh, it's also <laughs> yeah. um, it's not mother, but uh, aunt pedophile. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, well, hey, I haven't seen that movie, and you guys ruined it for me. I thought I was safe because it's a 70s podcast. You're not safe. <laughs> you have to come here having watched all movies. <laughs> Apologies. You can write us an angry letter. The movie has been out, though, for a long time. Thank so. you. <laughs> As has this. Yeah. Uh, uh, very extremely well written. Uh, who was the director? Oh, Paul Newman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well filmed. Yeah, very very well put together. I, I don't love Ken like I said Ken Kesey's kind of a shit bag. Um, yeah, but as a person, but he's he's a good writer. He doesn't write women writer. very well though. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't what? Doesn't write women very convincingly. Oh, I thought you said doesn't write a movie. No. It's just cuz I read a book about the making of um, also there's movies about the making of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and see our podcast. I'm sure we go into it, but uh he did the initial screenplay for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and it was super surreal. Yeah. It's almost like maybe they could film that now with CGI. Because <laughs> you have, I, I know I said this in the podcast, but I love it. You have Nurse Ratchet going down the walls, and on either side, scraping her hands against the walls, and the walls bleed. Oh, wow. Ah. like, I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like, this is too fucking surreal. Like, this brings it home that you're a, a writer, not a screenplay guy. Right. <laughs> and also, that you did a lot of acid. Yeah, yeah. A lot of acid. <laughs> Done too many drugs. What, what do you think uh, you would give this? I think I'd give this a nine. Mm. It was very, it was a very well done film. Uh, I would... I know it yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna give it a thumbs up but Let's it's see but me. it's yeah yeah exactly i decided um for this one uh for this podcast starting now i'm gonna give uh decimal points to my ratings because normally what i have it because imdb doesn't fuck. you can't do it on but why let imdb restrict me yeah no i know this is <laughs> like my rating on imdb um for this would probably be in eight but i guess it should be a seven because i only give this a 7.4 hmm. and maybe i'd give it more like you gave it a really high rating but it's also yeah it's 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 rough it is rough it is rough it's not the most pleasant movie to watch uh perks will give a, yeah it's perks like on the inside from the the baddies perspective yeah like what's what's life like for the scabs <laughs> what are they like <laughs> i i'd give perks of being a wallflower a 10 by the way yeah, I give oh, that a ten because yeah. that's different. Yeah, I'm just saying, like it's There's a way more like, heavier yeah. likable scene. Totally, totally. I'm just yeah, saying, just because a movie's heavy doesn't really. mean I I would I'd scale it down for that. 
yeah, personal conflict like, is uneasy, heavy. This one, I mean, Percy Wallflower, he's like fighting the homophobes, and everybody's cheering. There's no fighting homophobes. There is movie. not fighting homophobes. No, it's like the opposite. I was comparing <laughs> only because of the uh, ant pedophile. Right. No. 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 I un- I understood. That. I would say other comparisons. Shaking my head, can't see it, y'all. But I'm shaking my head. Yeah, I know. You ready to move on? No, absolutely. Do you want to stew for a second? (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, we're gonna have a moment of stew. Yeah, I I I got a whole new sound effects board thing that I can play with. Uh, Yeah, tell us all about. Let's see if I've got something for stewing in your anger. Um, (sighs) Stewing in your anger. No, just go ahead. Don't put that emotion on me. I'm not angry. (laughs) I'm stewing. (laughs) I think you're great. Although your sound effects, are, are they going to be in it? Oh yeah. Oh god. Oh yeah. Bang. You're gonna, <laughs> like, I'll say serious shit, and you'll add like fucking smacking dildos against a wall effect or something. Bow. <laughs> I did heart uh, accelerating. Moving heart. forward, we gotta get through this. Yep. Uh, D, that's me, is going to review to find a man, 1972. Oh man. Oh, IMDb gave um sometimes a great notion a 6.9. Oh, wow. Really? It's a little low. Um, let's go into this. What does this mean? Oh, yeah. I'm saving that. I put my rating right up there. Uh, here we have Pamela Sue Martin as Rosalind, who, if you are an elder Gen X, which is me, not you two, <laughs> and you uh, gently hit your head with a paperback, boom. You might remember her as Nancy Drew from The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Mysteries. We'll review her more in three movies coming up, including The Poseidon Adventure, 1972. I just saw her pop up yesterday in The L Word, Season 3, Episode 5. Hey! (laughs) Uh, Her friend is played by Darren O'Connor. He plays Andy. Uh, who only has four acting credits, although he's fine here. I think we can all see why. I don't mean to diss you, Darren O'Connor, but he wasn't the strongest actor. If he was sitting here, he could tell us about the film, and he would probably say that he wasn't the strongest actor. <laughs> he'd tell you to shut yeah, up. Yeah, he'd say, shut up, stop saying it! <laughs> there was a Star Trek podcast where this guy, because they would take open submissions for uh, scripts, and this one person did one. And he was like, and this is his only writing credit. And they had him on the show. He's like, stop saying it's my only writing credit. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Rosalind's parents are played uh, by Lloyd Bridges as Frank. We've got some more Lloyd in our future, including Battlestar Galactica and Roots. Roz's mother is played by the great Phyllis Newman as Betty. She has a big body of acting work, but mostly skipped the 70s. Hmm. We'll see her soon in uh, Secret Space, 1977. Although maybe not too soon, it seems pretty damn buried. And the listing for that has it listed as like a Jewish historical film. (laughs) What? It's like Jewish heritage and there's no other information about it. So it's weird that it seems all buried. Because sometimes if if they don't have the information on IMDb, it'll say, know something about this? Mm -hmm. You know, and it says that. Uh, also, the dad from Happy Days is in this shit. Uh, fuck. And Miles Chapin from Bless the Beast and the Children. Okay, Rosalind gets pregnant uh, at 15. We can discuss the age because I don't remember what age she was supposed to be. I think, and immediately and appropriately starts to 
freak. Uh, what's inappropriate is that the guy she had her first sexual experience with is in his mid-20s. I don't know. Although the actor looks older, yuck, to the maximum. He is also no help at all. But Chum Andy is willing He's to... He's a rapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A pedophile. Uh, Chum Andy is willing to help, and he throws all his wits and resources at the issue of finding Roz and abortion. First, he goes to the library and reads up. Oh, yeah, he gets a pregnancy test from the dad from Happy Days. God, this seems like the small, tight-knit community. It, oh, it seems like this small, tight-knit community is very sexually repressed to the detriment of all. Andy barely gets the damn pregnancy test. Roz's parents, Frank and Betty, are pretty close with Andy, too, especially Frank. Also, Roz's parents drink a fucking lot. And (laughs) Frank sucks hard at Christmas trees. That's, like, one of my favorite moments of the damn film. We rewound it. Andy keeps hitting hard with his scientific method. He goes above and beyond. Roz just seems to want the issue to be gone and to move on with teen bliss. Also, she could be disassociating from her sexual assault. And how, see, I mentioned sexual assault. See, you interrupted me. How dare you? I never interrupt you didn't anybody. Tell him what he was called. Because I wasn't <laughs> finished. It's called wait till the thing is finished. The other shoe you had yet to me drop. All the time, by the way. Yeah, I know. That's how I roll. <laughs> but you're better than that. And I like I don't even know where I am right now. I don't even know where I am in the city. I'm completely lost. In the city. I'm just wandering the city. Uh, disassociating from her sexual assault. And how fucking horrid society was and is on this issue. Enter patriarchy, and it is ugly. Andy comes through, but is also effective. She wants him there the whole time. God, her other friends weren't very helpful. And one even has pedo guy as a roommate. Uh, Erased all this. It's all done, and they both part ways to process and heal. I think... They, after a time, could become great chums again. And that Andy either comes out as gay or trans. Hmm. Anywho, what did I miss? I'm in a coffee haze, and I want to be fucking done. Discuss. (laughs) (sighs) So I really wanted to like this film. Like, really wanted to like it. And I was enjoying it for most of the film. Until it just, like, reached this point where... Like they this this young girl who had been raped by an adult, like just becomes more and more and more cartoonishly villain like, and it, the story stops being about you know this like struggle to find abortions and you know all the things that they have to go through to to make that happen and starts being about. The, about men's experiences <laughs> like and and like her character becomes depicted as like really shallow and like she's not bothered and like um she's depicted as very selfish oh yeah self-centered like I just not thinking about how this is affecting her friend and how it's not her friend's responsibility it just um, it seems not impossible, but implausible. Like, like, or 
unlikely. Um, and it, it just, it, it just suddenly felt like either, you know, like, the studio intervened and was like, you can't portray an underage girl getting an abortion in a positive light. You have to make her a baddie. Um, and their way uh, around that was to then, you know, make, like, the little boy, like, a fucking practically a saint <laughs> situation and make the story yeah. more about him. Oh, and super um, nice. But it just, yeah, it was like, I don't know where that came from. It just sort of felt inserted at the end of the film. And it just like took me, it took me out of the movie and made me start feeling very suspicious of the filmmakers and like, what are they trying to say here? Like, what is the point of this? Like, and like, it would be interesting as like, oh, this is like children's experience like of what a child's experience would be like with you know a a narcissist like what if you had a crush on a narcissist when you were a teenage boy and what that might feel like but it's like stuffed into the storyline of like getting an abortion during a time when getting an abortion was and it's still extremely political it just yeah i don't know i didn't i didn't like that choice at all and maybe it wasn't their choice maybe they like weren't allowed to tell the story how they wanted to and they had to settle but what's weird because it almost seems like there should be a b plot there that isn't there to explain all of that stuff and give you more depth to that and it just doesn't happen it's one fucking story and she sucks and I wouldn't say that she sucks at the end like her character devolves. I think she's terrible throughout the whole thing. She's selfish throughout the whole thing. She doesn't want it to gets deal with worse, it. Though. But it's it happened worse. from the jump. That's why I said she was disassociating and dealing with it. I don't see her as a villain at all. I think I agree with you that maybe we could have used another scene to humanize her more. But I think that she's processing this and doesn't want to deal with it. So she's being super dismissive to him. Yeah, but they don't. Give and us and he needs to rise. She needed a friend to rise, and he was there. I would have loved to have another scene. And like you know, I fill it in at the end of the movie that maybe you know she gets over this and they become really good friends, and oh, we could see them in the '90s when they've been best friends for 30 years. <laughs> well, there's a- they make such a point of like, oh, she's just not even bothered at all, and oh, she just is demanding all this stuff of me, and like I took it as they were showing weird. her. The last scene in this is really weird, though. And we only see her as being affected by the pregnancy. Yeah. You know, although we right, don't see what she was like before this. And she wants to be a teen that's just giggling and shit. No, I, I get that. I get that. But she comes from a different sure, place. Yeah. She's, she's a library also, nerd. She's also shown as like this sort of like horror throughout the whole thing. Where so she's is like, the stupid beast yeah, of like a totally. The ALF like, guy is not ALF in this. <laughs> Yeah, she's just, like, depicted as really vapid and, like, But the other boy is, unfeeling, too. Which also just... fits in with, like, all the mainstream narratives about, you know, oh, what is the... Yeah, I mean, think about what is the stereotype of a woman who gets an abortion. Right. right? That they're just it's out there. who just... is just ditzy 
and irresponsible and promiscuous and flirting with, you know, adult men. And, right. Know, like right. And they do all every, of those tropes. Well, that's not on her. Stereotype. It's not on her, but it's on the writer who fucking yeah, wrote Yeah, the writer this. wrote her like Was that. the screenplay wrote her into and a stereotype. The writer, I so why did they do that? <laughs> figure out. Cause because like, the writer's name is J.D., and I didn't know if it was supposed to be a DC in Fontana, if it was a woman writer, and I could not. I found two books by this JD person, What's but it? I couldn't figure out. I think it's really interesting to, to to make a film like this from the male perspective to like give it, like, to give them responsibility and give them a perspective on that that hasn't been thought of before. Um, not that there was a glut of like pro-abortion from female perspectives that walked you through what it was like. <laughs> Um, and there certainly could be and should be. Well, you did have that group. A whole that lot more. There. Yeah, they, they definitely like give us a, a wink at Jane Network and shit like that. But the but even that was problematic. Oh, it was totally problematic. It was like they they're like, you need an abortion tomorrow. We got you. We got we'll get you to someone legal. It's safe. We'll, it'll happen in a hospital. Like, and and then we are profiting instead. <laughs> Like, the film's like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Like, you got to go to this shady-ass fucking country bumpkin doctor and have him do it in your office with no no medical staff around. Well, no that's not the doctor that they sent him to. Yeah, that's not the one that, that they sent. That was the no, one. no, I know. But that was but, the sort of situation the, they were going to send the film to. characters, the main people that we follow, yeah. they're told, oh, no, 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 don't go through that that that's disreputable and instead she gets sent to the most dangerous situation of yeah. all the ones she's been in so far yeah. <laughs> but i thought the like new york chain thing was represented well and again on a whole the whole thing was insanely refreshing to me because <laughs> you hadn't seen a movie like this this movie blew my mind as to give representation to something that wasn't done back then when this movie sure and that's why i wonder if they were forced yeah, that's a possibility, like but allowed, I still like they, they probably weren't allowed to make it so that the the feminist center was able to give them the care that they needed and have it be safe and everything and supportive and you know like her getting all the resources that she needed from this group. Like I could totally see a network being like, "No, it has to be a back alley abortion style fucking thing." And 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 then like I, I what I really liked though was um, for the most part there was problems with this too but like the the depictions of the the poor people's experience yeah of seeking abortion I still think that there was some problematic stereotypes put in that like um, the scene where they're like shaming the mom and making her go like bury have her like handing her a fetus in a bag that and was having insane. it and good representation be buried <laughs> because that should probably that happened that was a law it's still happening yeah 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 i just um it's another stereotype that women are ashamed of and regret their abortions and for the majority of people who have an abortion that is not accurate representation that that's like a make-believe boogeyman story that people are told to make them feel like oh i better not get an abortion i'll regret it for the rest of my life and i'll feel so terrible and 
Oh, that's inter- That's an interesting perspective because I not thought true. that whole scene was to depict like uh, state-sanctioned like uh, oppression that they were putting on people. Where yeah, it's that's like, oh, fine, you I can got. have and your abortion. And I didn't abortion. know that. I wasn't surprised, right, or shocked, and I saw why they would do that. Well, but to, it's like there's to... lots of like uh, states where if you want to have an abortion, they'll like, you know, oh, there's. There's a and, and air quotes here fetal heartbeat and you need to listen to it for like so long before yeah. you like get to make your choice or. Well, when we were talking about this after we first watched it, it reminded me of the Silent Scream, which was a movie that we were shown in Catholic Church, is you know a pro-life, mm-hmm. uh, anti-abortion film, and it turns out now you can document. Well, I mean they're presenting it as a hundred percent fact, right? And it's not. You basically see this fetus running away from the vacuum <laughs> and then they they freeze frame on the the mouth opens and it's the silent scream right before it gets sucked dun, up. Dun, dun, and we were all shown this thing and if we had been shown this movie like i don't know i think this is a, a bar raising movie for me and it made me think of and i get that maybe you didn't get it because you're both a little bit younger because bad news bears you were like oh he's I'm fucking not an idiot <laughs> i don't not saying you're an idiot i just don't think that you got i mean my experience isn't an idiot either and i'm trying to share it and please let me do so nobody is fucking calling you a fucking idiot Ugh. so i mean bad news bears i'm just saying that you were like you know oh my god he's the worst and i thought it was funny because I was like, well, he's actually the best. Because the bar was, and then you were like, the bar is so low. And I was like, that made me laugh because I get it. Yeah. The bar is really low. But, you know, coaches that I had were like, you know, physically abusive totally. and, you yeah. know, awful. And if you weren't related to the coach, and plus I didn't want to be there. And that was like, you know, it's basically like, you know, when you're in the military or something and, you know, you're punished for doing something you know, for acting differently. Totally. You know, when they do the, the beating with soap and shit um, in Full Metal Jacket, it's kind of like that with sports. If you don't want to be there and you're a little more effeminate or whatever, mm-hmm. you want to play with Star Wars figures. And that was my experience. So to have a guy that wanted women on the team and had a bunch of different people of color on the team and was, like, inclusive, I thought that was great. I was thinking uh, Eddie Murphy got this. Also, Eddie Murphy doesn't fucking age. He just got this award, and we had it on at work. I mean, he's like 65 or 66. They put him next to Jamie Lee Curtis, and I was like, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But he did this uh, movie, Delirious. I remember Delirious. Yeah. But uh, the record is worse. We used to sit around listening to the commentary, and the record is – or listening to the record. Um, The record's worse than the movie um, in its depiction of gay people. But both – I kind of saw as a little bit bar raising and I still think that way because he's saying, Oh, you can play tennis with a gay person in a way he's humanizing them. And I took it that way, which was funny because I wasn't getting that uh, from my dad. I think I was in subtle ways and like, you know, but not overtly. I, I told the story before where we're playing with fucking Lego spaceships. Me and my cousin were both like, this is gay. And this is fucking gay. And my dad runs into the room and he's just like, don't say gay in this house. When he should have said, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he didn't. Your toys another are weird com- <laughs> Another weird conversation where he was like, you know, I never lied to you. And then he goes, well, I lied to you once. And this is before he came out to me. And I'm like, what is this one lie? Uh, but... Uh, 
the way that uh, Eddie Murphy humanizes the people uh, was a way that was like not seen in when I was being raised. Again, maybe I wasn't getting it from my dad, but I was getting it from everyone else with the smear of the queer and like, yeah. you know. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so I was raised with all these things too and, and in many ways worse. And I was also raised with like the people who are very directly impacted by these stereotypes and stuff like that. And just because we have more awareness of these things now doesn't mean that we weren't hurt by those things at the time in the time period we just didn't have the language or the concepts to be able to openly express or most often didn't have the power to express these things openly and and challenge them and oftentimes people who did who were the like people on the forefront developing the language and concepts to talk about the damage that these things did were not allowed to you know they had like film studios coming in and say you can't say that on film you can't depict people this way you have to villainize them in some kind of way they can't be a perfectly relatable character you can only go so far with that and like yeah you, know, you have to include mm -hmm. stereotypes that affirm people's biases about these about people who get abortions if you want to talk about abortions and you have to make it seem like people who get abortions immediately regret it and feel remorseful and you know whatever like because this is what society expects this is what we're told to expect so you have to do this and we'll let you we'll let you sneak some things in past the censors but these things you have to keep these stereotypes going yeah as a and star like, trek fan i know this like yeah. that is that is how hegemonic but, control works <laughs> like, yeah i'm just saying that, that people it got the representation or... on the tape more than anything else and moved the bar forward and i'm saying that like i lived it and you were a baby and you were a baby there are differences in our age but it hasn't changed that much even you know eight years later nine years i later. think it has that's what i'm saying <laughs> because we're, we're reviewing 70s movies and i'm saying what it was like yeah the other thing i would say about this though is that when i hated I the 80s think too. of these type, <laughs> like 80s were worse. this kind of film i can't think of a single other movie that that's has, why I was super refreshed by this. That has like a front to back. I need an abortion. Let's go get an abortion. Let's find someone. Let's do the thing. Um, and I agree with all the points that you're making. I and, agree with most. And I can't find. I, I just. I. I, it's, it's I don't think she was not, villain. She was meant to be a villain. Well, I think she. I think, she I think totally she's dealing is. with shit. I took it differently. I think you give the movie a lot more grace. Then, you think uh, I usually do that, and maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you, right because like you're wanting to see this person as the person, and I think it's it's frustrating to have to build to fill in gaps for a character when you have a perfectly good character in front of you who should be able to do that for you, and it, that that was that was not just annoying; it was upsetting because it was like here's your opportunity to really like. Make this like a young girl who's found herself in this situation. And, mm -hmm. you know, she can also be things like really horny and silly and well, that's scared why to deal the, with it. But the then bless give the us beast and the children guy. 
Because otherwise, what was he doing there? I felt that he was there to kind of like say, well, he's also an annoying, horny teen, and it's okay. Even though I think it was more okay that she was dealing with what she did with, he was kind of a little bit gross. You know, I get that, but that actually doesn't help very much, right? Because it, it's And her like, other friends, too. That's why I was like, Andy and Rosalind are like, they need to move away from this entire city, this entire <laughs> friend group, and even the dad from Happy Days. And I was yeah. definitely rooting for them at the end of this movie. I like the dad. I wasn't. See, that, that's the thing. It ends on such a weird space when we walk away from this film. You know, they're they're sitting at the, the park bench, and she's like, "Why is this a big deal? Uh, thanks for helping me out. Do you want to fuck sometime? We just fuck. Like I don't care." She's like, "Yeah, I could just." It was like she was like, "Oh yeah, I could fuck you to pay you back for it if that'll make you feel better." Yeah, like, but he didn't go for that. No, he didn't. No. No, but, like, but not because he felt bad for her. It was more because he was like, I don't think I like you as a person anymore. Oh, I didn't get that. Oh, I totally very much, that. I like, didn't. Dove into that, and it was They're like both dealing with the heaviness of having this, sat like, through the abortion, walking away scene, like, oh, suddenly he's free of her control or mm-hmm. free of her clutches or whatever that she had on him, and. And now he's, you know, sees himself as as better than that kind of woman, <laughs> which that's where, like, especially at, at that ending, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, what for in your the negative fuck lens. happened for this movie? Like, what we watched to this two movie? different movies. It was like going good. It was going so good, and then it just, you know, like. Like I was, I was with you. I was with you on on some of her shittiness, and I was like, she's just a little kid yeah, dealing of course. with this. She's just a little kid. And how and heavy then, this is. And then they just went too far with it, and just there was just too many things where Maybe. it just still ra- refreshed it just raised my red flags and my suspicions, and I went, hold on. <laughs> I think we, we, we do have to wrap this but up. For ni- <laughs> We're 45 <laughs> minutes into this. It's fine, <laughs> but for 1972, I mean, it should have gotten an award. It gets a 7.2 on IMDb. I gave it an 8.6, and I stand by and it. I, and I do, I do like... I didn't expect much from this, so I was just like... <gasps> you, like, see the good in people and want to see the good in people. And also, it scares me sometimes, because, like... Here, here. There's like some really <laughs> bad people that you just are like, no, they're fine. They're just a little bit sick. Can you can you say <laughs> something? Like, Six, seven. <laughs> no, no, not that. I wanted to know. Can you say something about Lloyd Bridges? Come on. <laughs> Lloyd Bridges in this film. Go. Say Lloyd something. Bridges was so funny in this film. Uh, <laughs> his Christmas tree scene stands out as like one of those scenes that you just cut from this movie and watch in like a, a clip <laughs> show where he's just drunk putting together this shitty Christmas tree. And then he's like, <laughs> I don't remember what the interaction with the mom was, but she was like, wait till your dad finishes the Christmas tree. And he's like, <laughs> there you go. It's done. <laughs> he was like, Christmas tree. It's a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Christmas tree I need a little pick me up. And then, like, he always, like, was weird physical with the with the kid who came over. Hey! And he'd throw his hand out and, and like, like, throw him the make him drink so whiskey. Weirdo. and yeah. <laughs> What is... You're, you got some weird stuff going on, Mr. Bridges. My but, stepdad was like that, though. Oof. He was such a fucking weird, weird, weird dude. <laughs> About, like... But like I would... Showing being macho or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, 
Yeah. But I would say when when fucking he needed him and he was like, hey, I am in a situation. I need money. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. No questions asked. Well, not, no questions asked. Yeah. Well, and that, again, right. He did ask one question, and that this, was the question that he couldn't. This is another movie I would like to make a sequel of with, with y'all. <laughs> but I was through that. I kept being like, it will just explain that it wasn't him, or explain you know what happened. He's never going to hear that though. I know, There's but he no should. And there should be a scene where they go to the the other friend's roommate, and who's kick also the shit out of him. more tell, like, more than kick the shit. Mom. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking kid's mom if she's living with a fucking pedophile yeah we were both we were all like well wait that's her roommate <laughs> <laughs> i know barf uh six seven victory see me <sighs> thumbs down <laughs> thumbs in between see me yeah that one <laughs> thumbs in between <laughs> see me uh, maybe watch halfway through and mm. then turn it off <laughs> yeah, it's it's a heavy topic, and I was and like, read, read way more feminist books to like. I mean, you can read up. Like, Be like Andy and read up. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> re- read up on stereotypes about abortion, <laughs> and like. I would watch the movie and tell us what you think. Images of women used to prevent them from getting abortions. I mean, showing you the times when I think of the medieval treatment that my mother went through, doing the opposite of that, actually mm-hmm. choosing to have the child, you know. Well, that's the reality, actually, and you never see that in film. Is that no, we don't people, see that. The unwed people home who adopt from are often um, made super like, villainized. More often than not, are made mentally ill by the experience, like for life, and like. Describe my mom some more. who was also 15 she is like very typical i've met so many people like that who were made sick by the experience of oh yeah when i learned about their child out even even under the most ideal circumstances where it's not you know traumatically ripped away from them and stuff like that or like yeah you know they're not all that whisked away to a nunnery or whatever like (laughs) um i mean it happened in my family, and the child didn't even leave the family. They just lied about whose child it was, and it still yeah made made the the biological mother very mentally ill and like. Well, they lied that she could hold me. They lied about my race so that I could get placed. Hmm. I mean, <clears throat> lived it right, and it's, it's and she was doing the right it's thing. It's extremely right. exactly. hard for for the the child too yeah and in, yeah in your situation you're like transracially adopted and like yeah lie, get lied to and gaslit about your race your whole entire life even as everyone around you is treating you with the same the same way that they treat people of color but you're like gaslit into like believing that <laughs> like you're all of, all of that is denied to you, right? I mean, like we digress. What a yeah. fucking mind <laughs> that would be. Like, <laughs> but I mean, that, you went in a direction. I'm, I mean, I'm talk, we're talking about abortion. Like that's that's where yeah, that debate it's goes. A that's difficult what happens. Discussion. Like if women I'm are not glad allowed we're having the it. option, like 
the like you know there's all these you know talk of consequences and mental illness as a result of abortion which isn't actually true and then there's you know completely hidden from our culture is the experiences of the people who adopt out their children and the people who are adopted right like what that psychologically does to someone here here I'm ready to move on. I hope that we haven't discouraged you from seeing that movie if you haven't, or if you like it, uh, please tell us what you think. Well, I'm moving to yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, cultural competency. Definitely see it. Yeah. Uh, this is also 1972. Uh, God, IMDb gives it a 7.6. I gave it a 6.9. 6.9. Jumping the shark on that one. Yeah. Uh, everyone set your phasers for excitement. This one is a <laughs> nonstop thrill ride. With spills, thrills, and bone-crunching kills, Robert Duvall stars as Jackson Fentry in this actually dull-as-dishwater adaptation <laughs> of William Faulkner's short story of the same name, <laughs> which I'm learning is quite good. I get it now. Uh, give this movie to a great writer and make it short. Yes! <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, not this 103 minutes of Sling Blade's dad on six Vicodin. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is not bad to me, but I'm sure we all agree that it did not go fast. Jackson Fentry <laughs> is a guy who really sounds like Sling Blade, and you're welcome for me not doing this whole review in Sling Blade. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty surreal that in the actual hit movie Sling Blade, Duvall really does play his dad, almost as it is a continuation of the southern inbred Hicks story. Too harsh on the South, perhaps. Anyway, Jackson <laughs> is hired to oil the machinery and watch over the mill during the off-season when a pregnant woman named Sarah shows up, basically seeking asylum, which he gives. They talk South a very little, but also too much. Uh, she has the baby. Jackson commits to this child 100% until his mate sells him out to the horrid Hicks that Sarah ran away from at the beginning. I get uh, Faulkner's sadness here. Movie was directed by Joseph Anthony. This is the his last of the nine movies he directed. Um, and I didn't really give away the ending, but whatever. Discuss! Yeah, you really didn't. I wrote a note for this movie. Yeah, let's hear your note. <laughs> My note for this movie is, Robert Duvall is boring. And then he meets... <laughs> A boring lady. <laughs> well, I like yours, too. That's good. <laughs> well, this also brought up for me um, a lot of movies we watch, especially the Bergman movie, where they're just staring out the window all the time. I don't want people to feel like, and I myself don't want to feel like I have to have a film degree to enjoy. I'm sure there's like crazy cinematography, and there are many things I did like about this yeah. competently made movie. But yeah, yeah we all want to the movie to move faster. Serious. And it's black and white, which was I, but they, already too. And I do get, like, the, like, let's sit in the moments of all of these that they're, they're we're, we're dealing with, uh, uh, <laughs> we're dealing with a, a, a population of folks who can't freely share emotion or, or, mm. or vulnerability with each other. Um, and so they're going to talk around everything or say nothing, Right. And so everything happens really, really slowly. Everything happens in black and white, and <laughs> which is kind of the terms that, that everyone tries to put their relationships in this. 
into, right? We're, we're binary. We're, we're friends. We're lovers. We're, you know, we're just wherever we're at, we're one thing. And that's why he marries this woman in the end. Double right? marry. Because he's like... He's I like, have to I, do this. Yeah, yeah I want to be responsible for you. And there's no vocabulary in my fucking brain that can make it so that I'm uh, responsible for you without, like, having a weird old man with a beard come and, and uh, <laughs> say some fancy words around us. So uh, I did like it. It was oppressive. And I think it was supposed to feel that way. Yeah. Well put. <laughs> expecting you to launch into something and you just said yep i mean what is there to say really what'd you think of it the first half of the movie was such bleak drudgery Mm. um but it's yeah just like you said it, it was meant to be it's meant to make you feel that way it's yeah it's very it's punishing but it pays off in the end I will say, like, there, mm. there is and was drama underlying everything going on. And it, um, you know, getting through all of that bleak drudgery and having it lead to this sort of, like, afterlife and then having it all, you know, taken away just as he's gotten this like interesting wonderful life you know Mm. raising this child and stuff and then it's all dashed away and then he you know everything just like speeds up (laughs) they make very very fucking fast and then suddenly you're in the future where he's like uh making sure that 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 little golden boy gets away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, not murder. Holy shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, where he's like, was I can't be impartial. I can't or be impartial. It, no, no he's murdered. murdered. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Seriously yeah, yeah, forgot he's about murdered. The quote. <laughs> uh, um, I wondered if I, I thought maybe you just didn't want to give right, away right, the right. hook on it's it. The, yeah, it's the. He can't let the. Damn. The murderer of yeah. the boy get away. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my stars. <laughs> Jackson Central. Which uh, also talks about, like, just, I mean, it, it's funny because, uh, uh, well, no, I'll, I'll just go the other direction with it. It's, it, I really liked that You're going he all didn't have some power in that moment, right? That he gets to, like, come back Who around. has power? Uh, Robert Duvall. Oh, good. Yeah, because it's taken away. I was going to say there's so many movies now where these people just are superhumans and can just kick total ass. When they're going to take the kid, <laughs> he just just sucks at <laughs> fighting. <It's> terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's just an old man against like five young. Yeah, but I really thought. But he like he picks up farmhands. He does. He <laughs> picks up that thing, runs around, and just trips immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like on top of him, and, but like also, I. It was weird, right? Because 
I think those guys really did want to show up t- because they were like, we have a responsibility to this person in our family, however weird and fucked up that was. And they didn't beat the shit out of Robert Duvall, right? They just like pinned him down and held him and were like, we're doing this. It's happening. No, but I thought that she was, they were the kin of, I mean, I thought she was sexually assaulted. Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely she was. And she was escaping that. Yes. And so these people Yeah, are, they just needed another... You know, another young person to help them keep their their Shit gang fun. going. Yeah, yeah. Which is God. also they they go into that in the beginning then, of the film talking about how shitty he is. Right, free labor. Good God. Yeah. Yeah. They. I mean, and yeah, he. They did show Robert Duvall being totally committed to that child, and I really liked right. that. They did wait until he was useful before they went and got him. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't even think about that. <laughs> Are you ready to move on? Did you did you rate this? Did I rate this? I, I don't know what to rate this. I'm going to go thumbs up. Okay. I'm not going to go thumbs down. I, I'm not. I'm going to go thumbs up, but definitely with the caveat of like... Drink coffee? Be prepared. Like meditate. Get in a quiet space where you can handle the bleak drudgery it just feels like it goes on it is oppressive give yourself permission to like don't go see it in the theater oh fuck no give yourself permission (laughs) 75 unless you're a film student maybe (laughs) give yourself permission to take a break go to the bathroom yeah drink water eat food (laughs) definitely don't watch this movie on an empty stomach yeah Uh, Victor, you're going to review uh, Maine for us now. Oh, 1974, five? 74. Maine. So, no, I can't do that yet. Dang it. Can't you can say ahead. that we, we watched the original on we Thursday. We did watch the original on for Thursday. For context, I think Anti-mame. We maimed it up. We did. We double maimed. Double maimed. <laughs> Two slices. All right. Uh... MAME 1974 is a musical film based off of a musical play based off of a 1958 film based off of a book written by celebrated gay author Edward Tanner using the pen name Patrick Dennis, uh, who was also the nephew of the real Auntie MAME, Marion Tanner. Uh, Lucille Ball and B. Arthur bring their unbeatable comedy mastery to the roles of MAME and Vera, a duo of Depression-era libertine aristocrats. Mame charms her way out of all her troubles as she inherits her brother's son, loses her fortune, fails at working, marries a rich southerner, gets widowed, and narrowly rescues her nephew from marrying a stupid suburban bigot. <laughs> uh, this, fi- <laughs> this film is directed by last-minute replacement Gene Sachs, uh, B. Arthur's then-husband who had um, also directed the musical play, uh, and written by Paul Zendel from The Effects of Gamma Rays on the Man of the Marigolds. Man, we were just in tight circles today. (laughs) It's not an accident. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I I didn't mean to imply. So this this poor movie, (laughs) it was so grossly mistreated by the critics of the time period oh of course it was just like the i it really made me upset reading the um so like the critical reviews don't have anything to say about like the weird 
celebration of plantation owners scene <laughs> like all of the weird like reverence for southern bullshit like no nobody's got anything critical to say about any of that weirdness um where like the they keep it in both movies hypocrisy mm-hmm. <laughs> of like um you know them accusing the suburbanites of being you know awful bigots and stuff like that but like also all of their interactions with them are like them being snobby from like an urban aristocrat perspective <laughs> like you know the making fun of um suburbanites being like you know close talkers or you know rough handshakers and stuff like that like no they don't nothing to say about any of that it's all about how lucille ball is too old to be playing an old character like mame is a middle-aged character she's like age appropriate for the character but oh just too old and oh god they had to you know they gotta vaseline all the lenses because she's so fucking old look and they're just like offended at that and then they're offended at the scenes where they didn't Vaseline because they're like oh her wrinkles like they're just like ugh why do we even have to look at them and her legs are too stringy and <laughs> Jesus <laughs> like, Christ fuck sounds about right for them <laughs> yeah. and they suck because she looks great and like and it wasn't just like it wasn't just like the gross assholes it was Siskel and Ebert got in on that too like what the fuck that's wild. I just, yeah, it was really upsetting. Like, uh, and I, I like, you know, obviously the movie's got warts, but like, I fucking liked it. It was like I felt like, you know, and and like what Lucille Ball said when when she was wanting to do the movie was that she wanted to do something that was like a little more lighthearted and like family oriented because the time period like filmmaking in that time period had gotten so dark and like very you know starkly realist and she wanted to produce something that was just a little more like you know let's do something that's kind of lighthearted and funny and um you know kind of a, a throwback to you know, older filmmaking and stuff and um yeah they were just that sucks that they were so brutal <laughs> treated by critics and then also the audiences were I mean, like they did it to the whiz the, yeah um yeah exactly exactly same same type of fucked up shit like just uh yeah i wanted to be at her first party so bad mm-hmm. it looks like so much fun right <laughs> You walk in and there's just like all sort of concophony of like different thinkers and uh, interesting artists and whatnot running around getting drunk on bathtub gin and (laughs) (laughs) doing cocaine. (laughs) Uh, And it was just, it just looked, you're like, wow, like this is, this is what people think of when they're... And it flies right into the depression. Yeah, which was, which was interesting you know, they're, they're talking about, like, people jumping out windows and shit. is on the phone right before he jumps out the window. <laughs> he wants to tell you something, and then he's jumping out the window. <laughs> they didn't seem to have a lot of empathy for him. They did not seem to have a lot of empathy for him. I can get critics... I mean, I like this movie, but I don't understand why it has to be basically a scene-for-scene 
remake. Yeah, that was And weird. y'all watched this one first before watching the Ross. And I love Lucille Ball. The documentary about her now that's out is amazing. I think she's great. But I also am a, a huge Russell and Russell fan. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think they're both great. I don't know if they needed a musical because – I think what they were doing was they were bringing, like, so it's based off of the musical play. Yeah. And then the musical play was based off of the film. So just a further adaptation? Yeah, so it was, um, but I think they, they incorporated elements of both, right? Like the music from the musical play and then, like, a lot of, it's not word for word, but it's... It is pretty it's fucking scenes, It's pretty like, word all for of, word. All of the, the most memorable scenes, yeah, there's like line for line. But there's a lot of things that are different. Yeah. I mean, the Gooch character is entirely different, which yes. is, that was Lucille Ball's interpretation of Gooch. Well, that's interesting. I thought the Gooch um, character was the same. How's it different? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Well, she, she's a totally uh, different person in the musical, in the in MAME. Than, than anti-mame, right? She's a whole yeah. separate character because they hire her as their stenographer. Yeah. And she's uh, the nurse. Or... But it's the same thing about yeah, her being pregnant out of wedlock. Lucy's right. interpretation, it's... Um, she's there the whole time. She's the nanny. Yeah. But the beats of it, the mm-hmm. hiding of the pregnancy and where it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 story. the story for it is... And the redemption... The I, yeah. I, I love both novels. And they dropped... The, I only own yeah. one. They dropped the writer out of it altogether, which I liked, actually. Because <laughs> I, I know he's supposed to be... But that's the devil from Twilight Zone. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wasn't sad to see him go. <laughs> um, did the... I don't know if you, you looked this up or not, but was the guy who played uh, the Southern Husband... Was he? No. Uh, oh, he's not. No, I looked it up while we were watching. Did you? The, he sounds you like Foghorn Leghorn. He sounds exactly like Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> well, my, oh, well, 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 my gosh, darling, I can't. just like weird. <laughs> Is that just the voice that like yeah. actors this do one for got Southern characters? More, and I appreciated that. Yeah. The first one, we were just like, oh, Burbank, Burbank, Studio Burbank, Burbank. They're supposed to be in the Alps, and you could tell they're just inside. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. the way that he dies is sort of like... Oh! <laughs> yeah, he did. It's also kind of funny because the whole film was um, delayed, and they lost their original director mm. because... Um, Lucille Ball got in a really bad skiing accident and oh, busted shit. her leg. Yeah, that would make it hard to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> She's like walking around on crutches. So I kind of wondered if that was kind of like a, a wink and a joke to that or something. That's funny. This was a fun movie. Her and the Bosom Buddies song, while I, I, I oh, wish yeah. it was a little bit tighter put together, because mm. um, I would love to sing it. Uh, it's their their play off each other is fantastic. They're so funny together. Yeah. Um, Who you mean? So B. B. Arthur one, and Mame. In yeah. one way, yeah. the critics were kind of correct. Like, I don't like uh, where they're coming from on it, which is to say, they didn't like her singing or her voice. Hmm. Who's B. Arthur's? No. 
Oh, um, Lucy Balls. Yeah. And um, I liked it because I was like, it's way more realistic. Yeah. Like a woman who's, you know, staying up and like partying and smoking and, you know, living <laughs> a, a rough, like a middle aged old woman who's still partying like it's the roaring 20s like um i think that's what she would sound like <laughs> yep <laughs> um and and then um it's funny too because i came across a quote from lucille ball saying like almost verbatim the same thing she was like she stays up all night drinking gin like what what do you think she's gonna sound like <laughs> but um however at that point like lucille ball's smoking had um, really damaged her voice and she was like it really had damaged her lungs and she didn't have the lung capacity to sing Aww. so they were literally having to splice together um, phrases of the song so they would sing one phrase like you know like five words wow which is like the equivalent of like a, a sentence like for music um, and and then she'd have to, because <sighs> she couldn't, she couldn't do it anymore. There's a style to it, though. I was in a band where someone recorded that way. They would, they say like a line and then stop, and then say a line. It gives it kind of a freshness if it's done right. Hmm. It would take forever. I've never yeah. done that. I'm one take. Unfortunately, <laughs> these were the songs that down. were taken from the musical play, so yeah, they were just splicing it together into a song and so it was like um i i guess it ended up costing kind of a fortune and then like they had had all these plans to like do these special like updated new technological treatments to the to the soundtrack and like try to release it and stuff and Mm. because it had to be shot this way there was no way to do it Mm. so you ready to review or to rate? Yeah. We did review. You ready did. to rate? I think it was a solid 7.5. Huh. It was a fun movie. I don't have a lot of, like, things I didn't like about it. I mean, there were some cringy, like, yeah. nods to the South <laughs> and weird stuff like that. that, that but she fuck fun. yous them. And I she like does fuck that. you them. Yeah. Uh, IMDb gives it a 5.9. I give it a 7.1. Hmm. And I gave it a thumbs up. Nice. I give the original like a nine. <laughs> and this is okay. Um, you ready to move on? Yeah. Uh, it's Ashes Night Moves seventy five. I've been working on my night moves. Yeah, before the Bee Gees took this and <laughs> ran with it. They wrote a song about Gene Hackman. <laughs> uh, this is directed by Arthur uh, Penn, who you would know from Little Big Man, Alice's Restaurant. And Visions of Eight. Uh, I know you do. (laughs) Our writer here, Damnation Alley, (laughs) The Hired Hand, and Old Billy Two Hats. Uh, We like The Hired Hand. Oh, we we did like The Hired Hand. We we love Damnation Alley. What are you talking about? (laughs) I've never met Admiral Kirk. (laughs) Uh, This stars Gene Hackman, who you'd know from The French Connection, The Poseidon Adventures, and Superman. Uh, Jennifer Warner is also in this from Another Man, Another Chance, Ice Castles, and After the Fall. Ice Castles podcast coming soon. Fuck yeah. And Edward Benz from 12 Angry Men, uh, Patent, and Oliver's Story. 
Um, Did you say patent or patent? Patent. Okay. I was like, there's a movie called Patent. Patent. We got a patent on this. <laughs> um, so this is a goofy, I don't think on purpose, noir movie about a P.I. who goes in search of a missing teen. We get glimpses of his personal life, and damn, there's some drama there. Uh, for some reason, this movie takes place in L.A. and Florida somewhere. I don't remember if they told us where in Florida. But uh, the travel back and forth between the two are like it's just down the road, which is fucking annoying. Uh, his personal stuff never gets resolved, but he does get to find the girl. The movie gets even more clunky after that, and we get a couple of incomplete, re- uh, incomplete reveals that thankfully bring us to the end of this movie. Discuss. Are you you tipping the hat there? (laughs) Well, I'll say first that this was a refreshing find for me at the beginning, uh, working at the video store, going through these 70s movies, um, because uh, I hadn't really heard of it, and it was kind of like, not buried, but uh, it was a a rare, I thought it was a rare gem the first time I watched it. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, wow, look at this. I had no idea. Gene Hackman's in this, and it's a great director. And this time watching it, I was like a little more like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Still liked it. I tell you what, the writing from Damnation Alley really stands out here. Oh, please. How dare you? <laughs> this is an A movie. What's crazy to me about this film is that I really think most people give a really good performance in this. It's yeah. really well acted. Uh, the version of we had that we had of it was beautiful. Like the, the shots were really clean, crisp. The color was fantastic. Um it, it was just a clunky movie. It was so weirdly put together. Well, wasn't it also like a figure it out guy kind of thing? It was, but it didn't make any fucking sense. It did. You gotta watch it again. I, I could watch it seventeen times and it wouldn't make any sense. That's not true. I believe in you. You'll get there. It, they they like make it, sense of it now. Goddamn it! <laughs> like there is a mystery, and I know there's so, oh fuck. Remember there's a thing, and there's there's drugs or something what, like. For reasons that I can't comprehend. And the she's killing, moved, but is he dead? She's moved in with her... The, the teen girl moved to Florida to be with her, uh, her mom's ex-boyfriend who is stealing art from Cuba or the Dominican Republic or something like that. film director, too, or something? No, he's not. Oh, okay. That's right. Thank it's you. Like, um, <laughs> it's like archaeological... Yes. There's the a plane underwater. Oh, and then you, you came up with something about that that I didn't know. They're smuggling. The plane fires. underwater was the stuntman. Yeah. From, who was but like, it was smuggling. They were smuggling, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. But it, it's like, transporting the there's all boys. these people, but they just don't, they don't tie it up. It's not clean. It's not, like, with the thing that... Life my, isn't clean. The thing about a good noir movie, right, is that it gives you right. a mystery, and it, it like... Gives you a p- bunch of different directions that it could go, different players who were involved. But at the end, the point of a good PI is he, he wriggles it together and he gives you, like, uh, this is the story. This is how it went down. You know, they don't always have to spoon feed it to you at the end because if it's written well and shot from good perspective, then you just get everything. This is not that movie. Yeah. I just remember there's, it gets action at the end, and I can't remember what her problem was. Do you remember the little girl dies? The little girl? It's Melanie Griffith. Yeah. She dies? Yeah, she's killed. What? Yeah, she, she's killed. 
she's murdered by uh, the stunt driver, um, who is, in the end, the big bad guy, who is machine gunning Gene Hackman at the end. I know, but how does she get killed? Is it a car accident? Car accident. Okay, thank you. Which is how he pieces it together. I'm going to have to watch this again. But it doesn't make any sense that the <laughs> stunt will. driver is like this fo- like this much involved. They don't give him <laughs> any like real connection. They give us one scene up early where he has stuff in his office. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, you're involved in some way. Maybe you're selling this stuff. I don't know. But then he's there flying a plane machine gunning. Like, Gene yes. Hackman, you're like... Where did you come? Why are you here now? You knew he was going to Florida, and you just like are there now. I mean, the time tra- or the the distance travel stuff really fucked this movie up. I mean, they shouldn't have put it in fucking Florida, but or, or put put the studio. <laughs> Tell us how in, you feel, in New York. Like, let it out. Yeah, let it all out. A lot of why is movie. Yeah, and then his relationship. Our whole B plot through this is bizarre. Um, yes. Like his partner's cheating on him and really mad at him about like him knowing and being sort of like, I just wish you wouldn't do that. Like I've, I figured you out. You're like this sort of like shitty narcissist, okay. but I still love you. Um, and he just sits with it and she's just terrible to him over and over. Yeah. And he just keeps forgiving her. Yeah. I'll forgive a good movie no matter what the genre, but this is a genre that I think uh, is coming to the forefront that we don't really like. I don't really like uh, private investigator movies. It's listed as a crime drama mystery thriller. Yeah, yeah. I don't like crime dramas generally. <laughs> generally, sometimes I don't. If I do. It, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I too. do. Like, there's a you few can pull things, a good Veronica movie. Mars, like, <gasps> yeah. stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. that'll, that'll do it for me, but... Um, uh, where the um, some good the, mullets in this the movie. hunters that we're watching just now no, like, quite stuff good. like that great um, this yeah I don't know um, it was disappointing that it was such a dud as far as story because I really do feel like the people in this gave really good performances were very yeah. good that might actors. have been what I really loved the first yeah, time the watching acting it was was for the most part was really good. And there there's some there's some things about the characters that are really interesting. Mm-hmm. But the yeah, the overall plot and stuff like that is kind of uh it just it yeah, doesn't The only good writing in this that I think is there is when um, the way that Gene Hackman's character interacts with people, the way that he, and not with his partner, by the way, we'll throw all that out. Um, but, but the way even that that's interesting, even yeah. that's interesting, but like the way that he's able to like manip- manipulate a, a situation, um, to get his, the result that he wants is done pretty well. Um, mm. You know, he, he does, he's not a shoot him up guy. He's not like, I'm going to beat everybody up. Although he does have a couple moments where, you know, where he, he has to spar. Yeah, he'll pop you what? But for the most part, <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, he just socially engineers the situation, right? He looks at what's, what's happening and he figures out people's vulnerabilities and he like, you know, figures out, okay, I need this person, like the Melanie Griffith character. He's like, I need her to come back with me. She doesn't want to come back with me. How do I make the situation where she has to come back with me? Mm. Um, and figures that out, which kind of felt like 
maybe they just sped through the second half of the film. Like, they developed the first half and were like, you're over budget, finish. <laughs> Which would be really terrible. Um, but it, it didn't make for a good film. I was going through the filming locations to see the places in Florida, and it's kind of vast, but uh, it reminded me that, like, uh, it wasn't... Um, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I didn't buy... Because suddenly they would just be there. And yeah. we're like, we're talking L.A. to Florida, Florida to L.A., back and forth. And they're just there. Yep. It's like, I learned something, and now I'm here. They don't show you being on a plane for eight hours, like, all the time. <laughs> they're just suddenly there. Or is it, like, from the time that a reveal happens, like, oh, they're going to do this thing. And then he's there, and they're doing the thing. It's yeah. like, he didn't miss any part of it. No. And there's, like, no downtime. And it's like... Well, okay, you figured out 10-hour flight from this place that there's an issue, and then you had to book the flight, you had to get on it, you had to pack a bag, you got there, and then we're right into the action? I mean, I'm glad we didn't have to do, deal with it. No, 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 I'm glad too, but like, the way that it's, it's, it's put together, it just happens to, like, click, click. Like it would, he should have missed some things, right? He should have got there and like they, you know, already gotten the things and they were there and they were figuring it out rather than him catching them in the act of bringing it back or killing some guy or something like that. Like we, he, his ability to catch on to something and be in Florida to see it happening. He's that good. <laughs> A superhero. He played Lex Luthor. He did play Lex Luthor. Are you ready to rate move on? The the women, even though they were like pretty central characters, were were just caricatures. Yeah. Like they felt pretty shallow. But I did really appreciate the um the older woman's perform fuck, what was her name? Was uh, it Warren? But she was great in the it. Mom, she was good. Yeah, the mom's performance oh, no, I meant. was really good. She was like Jennifer I mean, Warren. she was just like a perfect Jezebel. Yeah. And like a burnout old Hollywood was Jezebel mom. Totally. Janet, Janet Ward? I think so. Really, really good. Yeah, she's in Failsafe. I mean, which it's, I just you know, watched, it's a campy caricature, but I think she. Did you say Jennifer Warren? No. What? Not Jennifer Warren. No, I said that earlier. I said Janet Ward. Oh, okay. Sorry. J and W. But yeah, so anyway, like the, the character. But James Wood is in this. James Woods. The character That's she's right. playing is like, you know, sort of like a campy, like, um, what did I say? Then you uh, had it perfect, a burnt out old L.A. lady who yeah. is Yeah, like, it's just like a campy trope or caricature. And, um, and I, I think she, she does as much with it as you possibly could. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. You didn't even mention James Woods. I didn't. He's not, I mean... Who does he play in this? He He's plays a it. mechanic. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> I liked all that. Oh, my gosh. But it's throwaway. It's all garbage. No, it's not. It is. No, but it's also it's not supposed to be throwaway. It's supposed to misdirect. I know, yeah, yeah. but See, it's... See, if we liked this genre, I think we'd be, like, beating off more. Oh, I don't. I don't think so. It's, if we like the genre... It's so impossible to put that? yourself in a position of someone who likes the genre that we don't like. It's, it's not that I true. don't understand the genre. I've had been subjected to fucking analyzing enough of it. <laughs> Me with sports, and I still don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> uh, I liked the James Wood stuff. <laughs> 
Of course you did. He just plays a little shit. Yeah, and, I like uh, little shits. He's also, it's, it's, it's very much a 90210 situation. I know 902. Where they have him playing a 20-year-old where he's like fucking 40 or something. And they just give him a little kerchief. <laughs> Come like, on, James Wood. You're a little scamp. Oh, that's true. Five, uh, six. Okay, I IMDb get a gives minor it. minor in literature, but it's not that I'm ignorant to the... No one said you were ignorant you, to That's it. twice now you keep coming up with that. I'm really feeling attacked tonight. Yeah, not ignorant. Well, okay, maybe own it then. Like, maybe own not what? be like, we don't understand this because we don't I was like including it. myself in it. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I was... I was excusing myself from this we business. But he, he, he just said that you don't like noir films. He yeah, didn't we say don't that. Like and you it. said you don't and like I noir said, films. And I said It's not that I don't understand it. Like it. I no, I heard you. Like, I understand it. And I disagree. <laughs> Did I understand it? Uh, as much as somebody who likes it, I think these twists and turns are something that would appeal to someone who likes the genre. They didn't appeal to us. I, I, this is appeal, where yeah. Yeah. That's where I contend that the You think everyone's calling you an idiot? You think suck. everyone's out to get you? Oh, my God. No, it's clarifying. You're Clarabelle? <laughs> I'm Clarabelle. It's the clown from Howdy Doody. Five, six. <laughs> she gives us a thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> Victory has kicked me in the nuts. Right now. Repeatedly. I saw it. I did not. <laughs> Hoax! Uh, Just up speak for yourself. Uh, yeah, as someone who got <laughs> kicked in the nuts. I don't know what I... <laughs> I Maybe it's a thumbs down. Maybe it's a thumbs down. That's a safe It's not like a worse thumbs down. It's not like... I'm not mad oh, at this it's movie. it's a bad movie. Don't see it. It's just kind of... It's just, I, I mean, I love 70s movies, so I like watching this. I give it a 7.8. It gets a 7.1. Yeah, I think if you're a Gene Hackman fan, I would definitely watch this film. Yeah, like, and I, he's a more than competent in this film. Are you ready to move along? Yes. We got movie, movie, 1978. Uh, D, that's me. Do, 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 movie, movie. I was wondering why is title and why does it say musical for half of this movie? Hmm, and then suddenly both questions are answered at once. <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised, although watching the trailer now, which was actually me then sitting over there, uh, I can see that they give it away from the jump. <laughs> and that was one of the things I really liked getting like pleasantly surprised <laughs> about this damn movie. Um, uh, first movie parodies and the old boxing movies of the 30s and the second parodies Bugsy, Ber Bugsy Berkeley musicals of the 30s like the Ziegfeld Follies uh, both films contain George C. Scott who really doesn't scream enough for my taste <laughs> oh yeah the, the two segments are called Dynamite Hands and Baxter's Beauties Trish Van Devere is in both movies, as is Red Buttons and Art Carney. The guy who removes the ramp in Smile is in only one segment, as are the great Harry Hamlin and Barry Brad Bostwick. We were just saying something reminded us of Rocky Horror, and then 
he appears. Damn it, Janet. Uh, if you'd like a blow-by-blow -blow recap of both films, we'll see if Ashes can help in a second. Because <laughs> I ain't doing it. You all are waiting for me to finish this write-up, and also, I don't really remember. I do recall I like the musical more than the boxing one. Fucking duh. Movie Movie looks very pretty and is comp competently directed by Stanley Denon. 1924 to 2019, he was 94 years old when he died. He directed Singing in the Dang Rain, 1952. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, 1954. Funny Face, 1957, starring Audrey Hepburn. Indiscreet, 1958, with the Balls Ingrid Bergman. Damn Yankees, 1958, Charade in 63, etc., etc., etc. No wonder the musical looked great also. Uh, because the guy directed all the great musicals. Uh, also neat, uh, the segment. Um, oh, also neat. The segment was about uh, making uh, a musical, which was kind of neat. Although Singing in the Rain was also kind of a little bit about making movies, which yeah. was cool too. Uh, we'll see Stanley's work three more times, including The Little Prince. Discuss. Um, I like that. So what's fun? So my complaint about the last film is that they don't do a really good job of like tying things together. Both, That's it. Both of these are expertly put together. Yeah. Like both are wound in tight little circles that don't necessarily make sense, but are fun, that are engaging, um, and are just well done. the The first one is the the boxer whose sister is losing her eyesight, and he just wants to deliver sandwiches and go to law school. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> and then he walks in and punches out the number two fighter in the world. And they're like, you could do it, kid. You could do go to the garden. And then his sister's oh, operation right. costs a jillion million dollars. It just falls in their laps. They're like, oh, my God, this punchy guy. Yeah. And then he's like, all the money in the world, that's how much it's going to cost. So he has to go through all these fights and do this thing. And he's like, I'm not fighting for the rest of my life. I'm fighting till I have $25,000 so that I can pay for this surgery in Vienna. And then then that's it. I'm out. Um, Listen to George C. Scott, Harry Hamlin. I know, right? Take the fight. He's slow. telling him this guy is going to swindle you. Yep. And guess what? He or he's just going to use I mean, you. He's knocking you over the head with it. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> but no, he doesn't get it. <laughs> he just wants to help his sister. And he's, he's a noble person. I like what he's trying to do. Yeah. But it's really funny how, how, how they do it because Harry Hamlin, of course. Uh, Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans finishes his fighting and he wins. And then he goes on to immediately get his law degree immediately so that he can try. Uh, the the bad guy in this for for murder. Well, that's a good wrap up. Uh, was I was like fantastic. Thing. But both of these are like that, right? They they give you mm. as many characters as they need to do the exact thing that they set out to do and tie a neat little circle that comes back around in a fun way. Yeah, it all like it seems like they're making fun of the movie types that they're making movies of, and it and that's all very fun. But I. F felt like i needed to be watching the commentary to get like yeah like what they were doing why they were doing that like what was the i mean like, like i said they're selling the it in the trailer they're like two movies in one and i was just like the whole time we're watching i was like why is it called movie movie I was like, <laughs> wait a minute do you remember the trailer in the middle 
What? Do you remember the trailer in the middle? Uh, not enough, but I remember it was pretty fucking cool. The trailers in the middle are all played by George C. Scott and the other guy who's in it. God, Red I, Buttons? No. Is it Red Buttons? Yeah. Uh, Isn't it? I think he... I, I don't know if he's actually in, in the trailers, because there's only two of them. Oh, who's the doctor? Fucking, uh... It's the guy. The other fucking huge actor in this. Uh, red Buttons. Fuck off with your Red Buttons. <laughs> it's red. Just tell it, and I'll find the actor. Go. But it's, it's funny, because it's a... They, they do, like, these war movies and things like that that were coming out... Uh, at that period as well that they that they're also making fun of but they actually maybe do a better job of it in those trailers just because they're super tight You're and those about eli wallach am i yeah okay but they're because uh, he's in both segments but they play he's a doctor in both of them uh but they play every role in in both of those trailers in the middle which i thought was really funny that they give you all these characters and they keep introducing these characters, but it just keeps being George C. Scott. And you're just like, well, this is really funny. Um, but I thought that was... Fuck. It's Art Carney. Thank you. Jesus Christ. I said Christ. Art Carney, though, in it. <laughs> but yeah, he plays the doctor. Red Buttons. <laughs> is he the big actor in that fucking Red Red Buttons is huge. <laughs> Art Carney. He's way down there. It's not fair. Okay, so you did the write-up, though. So, like, what what was the concept for this film? Like, why why this idea? What was the what were they wanting to do in doing this project? They wanted to do it. I mean, <laughs> I'd have to. There was no commentary for it, otherwise I would have. Well, that's to too it bad. And enjoyed it. That's, and there was no like it finally got with the to Blu-ray or anything like explaining why they no I just I, I thought it was refreshing that they were doing it they just wanted to do it. but I mean we do have the clue of the director who mm-hmm. was big in making those types of movies back then right and this is one of his later movies and maybe seeing like the hand like and maybe the people wanted to take a not, and there was like nostalgia back then very for very it. exaggerated oh very which yes. is fun everything very it is fun. And it's after Rocky Which Horror. Made it seem like it was making fun of it. Or having fun with it. I think it was yeah, done maybe. lovingly. I think so too. And I think it, what's funny is I think both movies, uh, being half the length of a regular movie, did all of the things that would happen in yeah uh, in those longer form versions. They just give you those plot points real quick, and everything just kind of happens. You're gonna go get a right. surgery. That was You're the, like also like a lot of the like really corny styles of, you know, like filming and stuff was like all really exaggerated. Oh, totally, like, yeah. So it seemed like they were making some sort of statement. We pressed the button to see the time because I was like, "Boy, they're wrapping this up quick." <laughs> I was like, we got another hour. I was like, whoa! Like, what could they do with this movie from here on out? Did you oh. make your point about the trailer all the way? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it having, doesn't sound like I slam dunked. It. I'm not having a, a a good memory of the trailer. I thought it was neat that they included a trailer. They were just like like movies like. Uh, like post World War Two movies, right? Where it's like, see the the pilot or the midway fighter, you know, and it's like I remember George C. Scott in the plane and that's yeah. it, right? But yeah, like, but they were just like Yeah, it's like watching previews in a double feature. Mm-hmm. Yes. The previews were like watching previews. Exactly. But it was done really well and just sort of like captured what the I, I think that they were trying to 
throughout the whole thing, the sort of tongue in cheek, we're playing with this idea of, of the filmmaking and yeah, style. Yeah, maybe cocaine was involved. I think cocaine <laughs> was involved. C- cocaine. Certainly drinking was involved in the second movie where the lady couldn't do any of her acting in it because she was... Remember they kept having to cancel the play because she was too drunk and she fell down and broke her ankle. Oh, and like, yeah. It kept setting... Un- but they were... It's impossible. like a star is born kind of thing. Oh, totally. But not only is the star born... The star is born from the, the theater owner who's been paying her wages all this time. Oh, yeah. That was neat. Yeah. I'd watch this again. I hadn't seen it, so I was very pleasantly surprised. Although, again, I wanted to see more overacting from George C. Scott. <laughs> but I feel like maybe he did it in the trailer. Was he, he yelling in that? He very much did okay. it in the trailer. But I also think he, he was overacting in a different way uh, through this. I mean, he didn't have a fake mustache on, which is disappointing. Uh, but do you want to rate this? <laughs> I don't know. It's like 6.5, 7, something oh like that. Oh, my God. IMDb gives it a 6.5. Oh, wow. Hey. <laughs> I gave it a 7-3. I am going to wait to rate it until I get more information about why That's it's silly. <laughs> rate it from now and then rate it again later. From now, I would say thumbs up because I thought we all had a great time watching this. I had a great time watching Or a good experience. All right. You convinced me. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe pending and maybe a thumbs down later. <laughs> when they find yeah, out it's just some sort of like, if I find out. This <laughs> 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 is actually just like a racist take on That's hating not... people who made this kind of film. Speaking of super serious, our final film today is Loving Couples. Victory. <laughs> James um, <Cooper. laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you're going to like my review. Okay. <gasps> <gasps> I'm out of here. Okay, so Loving Couples, 1980, filmed in 1979. Um, Shirley MacLaine and Susan Sarandon are very charming in this otherwise flaccid rom-com. We follow the four main characters, also played by James Coburn and Stephen Collins, as they engage in an inappropriate age gap, inappropriate age gap affairs in a trite couple swap story. Uh, It was... One of several same-premise movies to come out that year, too, that, which included McLean, and three including the same cinematographer. Uh, not exactly a high-water mark of Jack Smite or Martin Donovan's careers. <laughs> Movie. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the other one that I, that I like. Oh, The Last Married Couple in America. I like I that more. I like that, yeah. I love Shirley MacLaine and uh, Susan Sarandon and James. Exactly. James, and so I like this movie. I was happy to see it. But uh, and James Coburn, I thought was interesting in this. I actually kind of liked him in this. Not saying I liked his character. <laughs> I liked what he did. He yeah. was all over this movie being weird and yeah, kind of funny. He, he, it made me made me smile a bunch. He did a good job with it. And and they and played... maybe didn't take it too seriously while acting in it. I don't know. They played all the parts of this of sort of like the the de- dejected I'm getting cheated on partner thing while while also playing up the age gap stuff really well, uh, it had an which was funny openness about it that I would say I liked. Mm-hmm. Like let's try to 
figure it out, but it's kind of too late in the 70s and too early in the 80s, so we're going to get it all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But it definitely, you know, we were just watching uh, this Gen X documentary where they talked about how, like, uh, right around this period, we have, like, the highest level of divorce, like, at any time in history. It's legal and easily accessible. You don't have to accuse your partner of something bad. Right. You can just get a divorce because, like, hey, I'm not happy. Like, things aren't going well. Um, and it seems like society as a whole is, is sort of like trying to take a fun look at that and like, like By for this fun. Time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're I mean, we're starting like, to have that, the heaviness of, of the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of seems like it, it's overkill and like maybe everybody's kind of over it. It's getting you ready for Reagan a little out. bit. They just want to jog. Isn't he wearing like bad sweatsuits in this too? Oh yeah. It's like there's just there's not you don't see talk about the fashion very much like emotional investment between any of the characters. They're like no no one's really in love with anyone in this movie. Like the the older couple has been together a long time and you yeah. see them having like kind of a friendship but you don't really do they have see a kid? you Mm-mm. don't see them being involved or if they though. do they don't see and i see them getting along they have a friendship that's what I, yeah that's what i just thought yeah um and, and i think no. <laughs> just turn like, it around you definitely don't see that with the young people it's like do these how were these people living together they don't even know each other but like um you can be friends and love and you, each other. You don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't get like the romantic part of the romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and it's just all just sort of like silly, but it's like it 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 kind of doesn't hit its you, mark. You kind of <laughs> need at least a little passion or a little investment in something for the comedy to work also and there's it's just there's just like a few ingredients that are kind of missing it's it's too lighthearted. there's no there's no stakes anywhere really i would um, like to give this a higher pot rating uh, because <laughs> i just i mean i'm completely sober now but just the first picture that comes up with james coburn and it just i just smile <laughs> He's just like the whole thing. I got a big kick out of it, and I agree with what you're saying. I yeah, wouldn't I like say this actors. is a great movie. It gets a flipping five point one. <laughs> I gave it way higher, but because uh, I had a ball. Yeah, but yeah, I like, I like, I think I like it because of the actors and nothing else. Like, I don't like the story. I don't like the whole eight, like treating the age gap thing as you know. Oh, silly. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a little bit too lighthearted, and I just yeah yeah the and the whole thing of, oh whoops they went to the same the same resort, resort. <laughs> <laughs> should we go down to San Diego yeah it just it's, the movie itself is just not doing anything special but the actors are great. Does that, I, I enjoyed watching them do what they do. Does that translate to a thumbs up for you? <laughs> How dare you? I'm not I <laughs> don't know that it was quite good enough, but maybe, maybe, maybe like a maybe a just barely. 
I actually wonder if like the lack of romance was like a, a, an an ingredient that they added on purpose. It was having right. that conversation. It just didn't work. You don't think so? Because I, I mean, mean it, like it, it's 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 calling yeah, into a couple like, things, right? You have two people you you you're dealing with like two income household all of a sudden, where that's kind of a new thing in America, where. Two doctors. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Two, not not just like two people who have jobs. Pe- two people who are, have are like the pinnacles of their career, where they're you know mm-hmm. giving talks and holding benefits and you know having this this like large impact on their community, right? Um, and and I kind of think that the point of of some of that stuff was like, are the reasons that we're not having. Um, why divorce is so rampant? Why we, there are low stakes in this is because we're 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 coming from a generation of people who were always put together because they could get along enough to deal with it, versus like um, a place where we're now like, if we're sitting together at the table as equal, shouldn't we love each other to engage like this? Like why why are well, we doing? It does sound this? like they at some point like in the conversations they have when they're reminiscing and things like that like it sounds like they're supposed to have been in love at some point yeah hmm. okay so i don't know about that but the definitely the lightheartedness and the you know not being too sincerely genuinely distraught when finding out or whatever like um I, I I read that as a an intentional choice. I just don't think that it quite worked. Yeah. Like it maybe should have gone back to the I'm ready for my coffee. Are you gonna rate this or what? <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a six two. Ooh, that's higher than I thought. <laughs> what do you think mine's gonna be? Uh nine. You did. No. What do you actually <laughs> think it's gonna be? I think you're gonna give it a seven one. Seven two. Ah, well, it's pretty close. Fun fact: Shirley MacLaine is such a good dancer that when they were having her dance like, badly, <laughs> learn disco scenes, they actually had to bring in an instructor to teach her how to look like she didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> I mean, I definitely know that, and I said that while we were watching it because I watched a Sweet Charity, which was a Bob Fosse film, while you two slept. <laughs> I'm like watching Sammy Davis Jr. I'm watching her dance it up. She was fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but you were sleeping. Because we're on different times. It does need to happen occasionally. What? Sleep? What's that? <laughs> we did it. We did it. Oh, my God. What a run. Hey, folks, if you've made it this far, we really appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, you can find here. us on Facebook and Instagram by looking up A Decade Under the Influence. You can also now find us on Mastodon, although uh, we're just getting our feet wet there. And if you were looking for us on Twitter, burn the house down. It's over. Um, <laughs> write us on Instagram and Facebook. But do write us on Instagram and, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Give us some stars. Uh, send us a message some way because we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and with that, we're going to let you go. Wait, hold on. What? What? Uh, what? Shout out to Mike Richards, uh, my friend from the Star Trek podcast world. Uh, he said he was going to start listening. So, Hey, Mike. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for being on this two-hour ride with us. <laughs> never listen again. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great night. <laughs>